Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoyed this message from our midweek service. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoyed this message. You may be seated. We thank you for your generosity. Man, it's good to be in the presence of the Lord. Man, it's, this, is, this is amazing. Um, I, I want to honor our, our worship leader, our worship team. Uh, th- these guys carry an anointing that is just makes it super simple for us to walk into and deli- deliver the word that God uh, put, on, put on our hearts uh, every time we come together. So thank you, Omar, for surrendering and sacrificing and, and doing what you do. We appreciate you. Well, you guys got me tonight. And, uh, oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm really excited about, about the message that God gave me. I'll tell you this much. Uh, during the worship service, um, I felt like there was this hunger and this thirst for, for God, just more of God. And I felt like the word that God put in my spirit was being pulled out of me. And uh, I just, I, the, 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 uh, the hunger, the level of hunger and the le- level of thirst for the righteousness of God is just, is just strong in this house. And so um, God bless you guys, man. This is, this is awesome. Um, I want to talk tonight about, uh, about growing up. We all need to grow up. We all need to grow up. And so uh, do me a favor, if you would, turn to your neighbor and say, uh, say, we must grow. <laughs> I see what you guys are doing. I, I purposely said we must grow. I don't want to start, I don't want to start nothing. But we have to grow. We must grow. We can't stay where we're at. Uh, I like uh, uh, Pastor Omar said, said this. He said that, that God loves us uh, right where we're at. So right where we're at, God loves us. But he loves us too much to leave us there. Right? And so God will meet you where you're at. And then he expects, he requires us to grow. And so I'm going to talk about that tonight. I'm going to talk about uh, the different stages in our, in our lives and, and all of that stuff. And uh, I just think that we're going to learn something here together. Um, I, I want to start with, with something a little bit funny, maybe, maybe slightly uh, corny or cheesy, but just bear with me, maybe laugh just to make me feel good about myself. But, uh, but listen, there's, there's four stages in our life. Uh, there's four stages in our life, and this could be up for debate. Uh, I'm, I'm, I may contradict that because there's multiple things that I read, but, uh, but for, this, for this joke, there's four stages in our life, and it can be summed up very easily. Now stay with me here. The first stage is that you believe in Santa Claus. The second stage of life, as you grow, you don't believe in Santa Claus. And then the third stage in life, is that you are Santa Claus. And then the fourth stage of life is you look like Santa Claus. All right. <laughs> All right. So listen. So 2 Peter 3.18 says this. But grow in the grace and knowledge 
of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. It says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Tell your neighbor one more time, we must grow. We must grow. That's right. And so I'm sure you've heard this said, if you're not growing, you're dying. If you're not making forward progress and you're standing still, you're regressing. And so God has called us to a forward life. God has called us to an upward calling. And so we need to continue to to move that way. Now, I have an image here. There we go. All right. And so, yeah, ah. This is all very intentional. I'm softening you guys up. And so, uh, so this here is a picture of me and my family. Um, those of you, uh, if you don't know, I have, I have four children. And so I have Alyssa. Alyssa is 21 years old. All right. Uh, and we have Madison. Madison is 13. Oh, you guys are going to clap after every single one of them. Okay. Uh, and then we have Isaac or Bubba. We call him Bubba. He's 11. And then we have Mikey. Mikey is six. Six, right? Six, yeah. Mikey's six. And so uh, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about uh, perspective. And I was thinking about uh, when, I was, when I was a child, when I was six years old like Mikey, um, I had a lot of selfish desires, right? I was very self-centered. I, I didn't know it, but that's what I was. And so I was looking at my children, and I said, Man, I, I've kind of, I've lived through all of these things, most of the stages of my life. Now I'm still relatively, well, I'm slightly young, I guess, depending on who you're talking to. Um, but I'm not a grandfather yet or anything like that. But uh, I've kind of lived through a lot of these stages. And now I'm able to, on the other side, have different perspective and now watch my children walk through these different stages in their life. And so uh, I'm going to kind of speak to some of that tonight and draw some spiritual parallels that can kind of help us develop and help us move to where God, I believe, God wants us to be. Um, and I also use this as an opportunity to show off uh, my beautiful family and my beautiful wife. Shout out to my wife. I love you, girl. So we could take that down. So spiritual maturity is what we're going to talk about tonight. And so spiritual maturity is the ability to consistently look uh, consistently look at and live from a spiritual and not carnal perspective. So it could be summed up in being Christ-like or in Christ-likeness. So spiritual maturity is the ability to consistently look at and live life from a spiritual and not carnal perspective. Galatians 5, 16 through 26 uh, most of us know uh, a piece of this, but I, I'm going to read the whole thing. This is Paul speaking to the, um, to the Galatian church, and he says this. It says, so I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. You see that struggle there? Struggle is real, guys. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not able to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. How many of us are led by the Spirit? All right, some of us. Okay. We'll get the rest of you there. Verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, 
idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. Come on, somebody. Fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance usually goes there, but I, it actually means patience. How many, how many of us could use a little bit more patience in our lives? Come on. All the parents in the house said, it, come on. Help me, Lord. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Someone say self-control. Self-control, my goodness. Help us. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Verse 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Amen. So spiritual maturity, maturity isn't acquired by you sitting in a church building, in a church service, in connect group, in listening to the latest worship band, in listening to your favorite preacher. Spiritual maturity is not developed there. Spiritual maturity is only acquired by living a life that is ever pursuing Christ-likeness. Now everyone's going to say, come on, yeah, amen. Right? Now listen to this. Spiritual maturity will be measured in the realities and subtleties of life, not in our abilities, giftings, or good works. So let me explain that just a little bit. Uh, we all come to church. I mean, you guys are crazy coming to church on a Wednesday night. That's radical to most people that you go, most of the people that you work with, most of, the, most of your friends that are not in church. Uh, it's crazy that you, not only do you go to church on Sundays, but you also go to church on Wednesdays. Some of you are even more crazy. You go to Connect Group on Fridays. You guys are wild. All right? Even with all of that, that's not where you're going to grow in spiritual maturity. Now, that's a good thing. You're going to learn some things. You're going to grow in fellowship and all those things. So there's a place for that. But spiritual maturity is going to develop when your kids are acting crazy and the way that you respond to that. Spiritual maturity is going to develop in your life when you and your wife are at odds. When someone does something that you don't like, God is shaping and molding us in those very moments. So Pastor Omar, my mentor, my spiritual father, he says this to me all the time. When I'm talking about people, I'm like, oh man, that guy's, that guy's bad, that guy's gifted, right? Um, Pastor Omar always tells me, he says that he's not impressed with giftings. He says that there's a lot of people with giftings he says, I'd rather see someone's faithfulness and consistency because that's a sign of spiritual maturity. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of gifted people. There's, a lot of, there's really a lot of gifted people that come in and, and through, our, through our church, um, people that we know, uh, friends 
uh, of the fellowship and, and all those different things. Um, and, and oftentimes, uh, and this is, this is maturity, this is wisdom speaking right here. Uh, you know, Pastor Omar just says, hey, we're just going to wait on that. We're just going to see... We're just going to see how things, how things develop there. And again, our, a sign of spiritual maturity is faithfulness and consistency. This month we're celebrating 30 years of ministry in our, in our pastor's lives. And I, I, I think about that and I honor them. Um, I honor them every chance that I get. Uh, but they've lived out, they've exemplified a life of consistency and faithfulness to the call of God. And I, I'm, just, I'm just honored to be, uh, to call them uh, friends, to call them my pastors. Uh, I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say this. Uh, I, I want to honor uh, the congregation. I want to honor our church. Uh, Pastor Kelly came on the 6th of, of this month on a Sunday uh, and, and delivered a powerful word. I was telling Pastor Rob uh, before service, I went back and I was listening to like the last, um, all the way back to, all the way back to Pastor Kelly's message on our podcasts, and, and you, could, you could go on our podcast again. It's a good thing. I, I don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Listen to the podcast. Uh, but I went back to the podcast, and I was listening uh, from Pastor Kelly all the way up uh, to, uh, to Pastor Ray Harrison uh, on Sunday. And we, we have some people that come in here and deliver a good word. My goodness. I mean, we, we are blessed. Uh, but Pastor Kelly was here, and, and he, he, he uh, preached a, a message on the, on the role of the pastor uh, and in that message, he took, he, he took a love offering for our pastors. It's Pastors Appreciation Month, coincidentally, in October as well. And, uh, and, and you gave. You gave to that offering, and we were able to send our pastors to Texas. Uh, and they're there right now with their, with their grandbabies, just hanging out with their family. And so I asked Pastor Omar, I said, hey, you gonna, he's, he's in Texas with, with Reclaim Church. And I said, are you going to go out there? Are you going to minister and things like that? He's like, I'm not doing none of that. I'm going to be with my family. And I said, all right, that's a good thing, right? And so I, I want to I uh, honor you for releasing our pastor to be able to go and do that. And he's there and he's getting refreshed and he's going to come back uh, ready to tear it up. Um, but again, I, I honor our pastors because they exemplify and they model a life of consistency and spiritual maturity for all of us to look at. So listen, here's a couple of a couple of tests maybe that you could do on your own. Now, don't share notes because you, you may get yourself in trouble. But just do this like in your own mind. Just reflect right now. A couple of examples to test your current level of maturity. Listen, when something happens, are we quick to react or do we respond? Now, that's a subtle difference, right? You're going to say, well, a reaction is a response. Well, no. A reaction is something that happens in a knee-jerk moment, right? So uh, there's no self-control. There's no discipline. Um, you're just moving. Now, how many of us have a problem uh, just kind of, kind of reacting real quick? Anybody, anybody have a short fuse, right? Some people, yeah, come on. Uh, some people, I got a short temper. I got a short fuse, whatever it is. All right, well, we, we, need, we need to work on that because, because there's a difference between reacting. <clears throat> Whoa. There's a difference between reacting and responding. And so when we respond to a situation, we collect information. We get the whole story, right? We let it, we let it marinate a little while, right? We just let it just stay there. We're not, 
so, so I live, I, I work in the corporate world. And so, uh, so like the standard practice is if someone sends you a heated email, and this is, this is real. Like if it's in caps or something like that, that means someone's yelling. And so if someone, if someone sends you an email and you think you, you take it as, you know, uh, uh, like a confrontation or something like that, they're supposed to take 24 hours to respond, right? We all, we, we've all heard that. So something crazy happens. Uh, instead of just reacting to it, show some self-control. Show some self-control and pray on it and respond. Right? So that's a test. Do you react or do you respond? The second thing is this. Uh, are you impulsive or do you have discipline? Now, I was, I was thinking about this and I was kind of reading on this and studying this. Now, uh, impulsiveness, I don't, I don't have the definition here. So, uh, but if I remember correctly, it was, uh, it, it was um, doing something without forethought. Think about that. Doing something without forethought, that means that you're just moving, you're just going. Now, how many of you guys know people that just do that kind of stuff? Like, they're just gone. Like, they get an idea, and, and they're gone. Or, you know, the first thing that comes to, to, to their mind, it's just out. Like, before they, they're like, I, I didn't mean to say that, but it just goes out. That's an immature person. Well, I'm going to just speak my mind. I'm just, I'm just real. <laughs> right? Like... No, you're rude. What do you mean you're real? Right? And so are we impulsive or are we disciplined? Do we, do we show self-control? These are tests. You, you test yourself. I'm not, I'm not judging anyone. So do you react or do you respond? Are you impulsive or do you show discipline in your life? I think about discipline. I think really kind of think about your life. How, do you have discipline in your life? I mean, do you have discipline in, I'm going to go there. You have discipline in your diet? You have discipline, you have discipline in, in your prayer life? In your personal devotion? Come on. We need some discipline in our lives. That's a sign of spiritual maturity. So I'm going to read you a scripture out of 1 John, and this is John the Evangelist. And he's talking about, he's setting, he's setting something up, and as he's writing, he's writing to, to the readers that, that are going to take this letter or this epistle, um, and, uh, uh, and he's writing it to encourage them. And he's, he's writing this to strengthen them and, and, and push them towards fellowship with God the Father and Jesus Christ. So listen to this. It says, 1 John 1 through 4, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. He is testifying about Jesus. The disciples walked with Jesus. The disciples ate with Jesus. The disciples witnessed the miracles of Jesus. And he's testifying about it here. He says, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The word of life is Jesus. Verse 2, the life appeared, Christ. We have seen it and, to, and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father 
and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. And so what the evangelist John here is saying is that I'm speaking of something that I know. I've walked with the Lord. I've experienced the miracles of God. I've experienced the deliverance of God. I've experienced the salvation of God. We've walked with the Lord. We know the Lord. And so he's not talking about something that he heard. He's not talking about this concept or something that he read in a book. He's talking about something that he experienced. This is spiritual maturity. And so a sign of spiritual maturity is when you have, uh, when the faith you proclaim, stay with me, when the faith you proclaim moves from the pages of the book to the knowledge in your head to the bedrock of your heart. I'm going to read that one more time so you guys can jot that down if you want to. The sign of spiritual maturity is when f the faith you proclaim moves from the pages of the book, your Bible or your app, whatever, it's all good. To the knowledge in your head, to the bedrock of your heart. I say this all the time. Pursuing God is not an intellectual pursuit. However, we can use our own intellect and reason to, to work out the, the, the complexities and the things of God. But if it stays in your head and doesn't move to your heart, we are underdeveloped. We will not achieve the full maturity that God intends for us to achieve. It's got to be a foundation. It's got to be a building block that is in the very core of who you are. That's right. Thank you. So listen. The evangelist John goes on in, in chapter 2. He says this, and, and this is where we're really going to get into the, to the, to the meat of what we're, we're talking about tonight. It says, I am writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. Now, as I was, as I was reading this, I said, how am I going to make this work? Because it's not chronologically lined up, right? So he's jumping from the children to the fathers to the, to the teenagers, um, so I was a little concerned with that, but is everyone okay if I just put it in chronological order for us? Okay, so I'm not moving anything. I'm not changing anything. I'm just going to kind of put it in order so we could all get it. Maybe, maybe I just need it. Maybe I'm a little bit slower than the rest of you, but, but that's how we're going to line this up. So, so there's multiple stages in our lives. Like I said, um, I was, it was a joke about the four stages about you looking like Santa Claus. You don't. You're, you look good. Uh, but, but we're going to break it down to three very simple, very, three very simple blocks. And so it's, it's childhood or infancy, it's uh, teenagers or young men, and it's adulthood or fatherhood or mature, uh, a mature state. All right, so track with me. So we can learn from each of these stages and are expected to progress to a place of mastery, then progression. And so in each one of the stages of our lives, 
We're expected to grow to a place where we're fully developed. We've mastered the skill sets, everything that we're supposed to learn in that stage of our life. And then move towards progression. That means to move forward, to continue to grow. So I read a couple of theories regarding psychosocial development. I'm not going to bore you with it. It was slightly interesting, and so that's why I read it. Uh, but, but there's a lot of different theories about the different stages in our lives. And what, really what they were saying is, uh, in essence, in summary, they were saying that as you progress in the stages of your life, uh, um, in your age, that in each one of these stages you're supposed to, again, acquire certain skill sets, certain coping skills, certain social skills. You're supposed to develop those things in that stage and then move on. So come to a place of mastery and progression. Now the funny thing is that uh, in this theory that you could you could move on because time continues to move, right? And so you could move on in your age but not become fully developed and getting the skill sets that are needed in that stage of your life. Now what happens when that happens is that you're underdeveloped. And so oftentimes... Uh, or sometimes, uh, how, many, how many people know, like, uh, uh, there's a saying, uh, you call someone like a man-child, right? Or you're like, oh, they're just a big baby, right? What we're saying is that they're, they have signs of immaturity in their life. They have, they have places in their lives that are underdeveloped. And so... We need to learn to, to move through these things and grow. So, so it's really a progressive thing. So it would be like this. It would be like us going from addition and subtraction to algebra. You understand what I'm saying? You, you have to have a progression and a level of mastery so that you could build on top of that. If you don't know multiplication and division, all these different things, you can't do algebra. You don't, have, you don't have the skills to do that. And so we have to, in every stage of our life, we have to come to a place of maturity and development and then progression. Everyone with me? All right. So verse 1 from First John 1, I'm sorry, from First John 2, says, I am writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. Now put, on, put up that image for me, please. There we go. Aww. That's my baby. That's Mikey. And so in an infancy stage, uh, Michael was dependent on an external factor, a caregiver. Me and his mom, his mom mostly, to be very honest. <laughs> to care for him, to console him, to feed him, to change him, to love him, to give him all the needs, everything that he wants, everything that he needs, right? So as a child, we're entirely dependent on an external environment. We need someone to take care of our every need. And so as a baby... Uh, in, in our infant stage, we're learning trust. So 
So a baby, and, and some of you mothers could, could, uh, could vibe with this. You take them to the nursery, right? And you drop them off. And then what happens? They start screaming. You want to know why they start screaming? Number one, they're scared because they don't know these people. But number two, they're not sure that you're going to come back. They're building trust, right? So, so in this stage, it's trust versus mistrust. They're, they're, they don't know yet. They don't know yet, right? They're in this new world. They're, they're scared. They don't know what's going on. We have to build trust in these, in, in these situations. And so uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3 says, Brothers and sisters, this is Paul, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly. These are underdeveloped. These are infant Christians. Mere infants in Christ, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Question mark. And so, in the infancy stage, it's okay, right? So infancy, I would I would liken that to conversion. Uh, you're just getting to know. Uh, you, you've you've experienced God for the first time. Maybe uh, you've you've recently given your life to the Lord, and you're still figuring things out. Uh, there's still some stuff that God is working on. God is working on all of us, but there's some there's some bigger things that God is working 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 out in our lives, uh, and, and we're we're going through that process. Um, I'll, I'll tell you this much: if there's quarreling and strife and all kinds of chaos going on in your life, you got to get rid of that. That's that's immaturity. We got to develop past that stuff, right? And so what Paul was uh, Paul was appealing to them, saying, "Hey, when I came to you." I came to you, I, I wasn't going to come and drop this heavy revelation and this deep theology or anything like that. I was just introducing you to Christ. I just wanted you to get to know him. I wanted you to experience him. And so I didn't go heavy on you. I, I didn't come with, with rebuke. I didn't do any of that. I just showed you love. And so again, like I said, we're grow in our infancy stage, even infancy stage of of our Christianity, we're growing in our trust. And so our God is a good father. I said our God is a good father. Matthew 10, 29, 31 says this. It says, are not two sparrows, this is Jesus speaking, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. I think about that image of, of Mikey, and uh, I remember as a baby, I w and maybe some of you uh, um, would relate, but when you get that, that baby, you're just like, you're inspecting them, you're just like observing them, you, you're just loving on them, right? You just hold, I remember Mikey, uh, okay, so uh, when, Mikey, <laughs> when Mikey was a baby, um, so uh, when Madison was, was born, she was born premature, and she was in the NICU. And so uh, we learned uh, a, a, um, a phrase called skin to skin. Anybody know what that means? Yeah, okay. So 
uh, so that, that was Madison, and then, you know, Mikey was our bonus baby, so I kind of felt like, like, almost like a grandfather. It's kind of weird, but I just loved him, right? And I just wanted to bond with him and things like that, and so uh, I would just, like, hold him on my chest, and I would just kind of, like, stare at him and just, like, look at every single thing, uh, you know, every, every little wrinkle and all that kind of stuff, and then I would put him in my shirt, and we would do, like, skin to skin, and he would be beet red, like, sweating, um, but I just wanted him close to me. Right? And so, yeah. So, but I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about that's what our Heavenly Father does to us. He just smiles on us. He just loves us. He's just staring. He's just, he's just, he just wants, he just wants you. He wants, he wants your heart. He wants everything. And this is the intimacy that, that God desires. Now, as children, Mikey had no, no idea. He was, I'm sure in his mind, he was like, why is it so hot? Um, but, you know, so he had no idea what was going on. But for me, I mean, this was everything for me, right? It's about perspective. James 1.17 says this, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. And so in the infancy of our faith, God answers all kinds of prayers, just because you asked. Now, how many of you experienced uh, maybe early on in your faith uh, or your conversion that God started doing like big things in your life? Like I think for me, or I, re I remember or I recall, you know, early on when I gave my life to the Lord, when I completely surrendered, God was doing big things in my life. Like God had uh, delivered me from, from a lifestyle. God had delivered me from a lot, of this, a lot of this junk. I mean, these are big things that were going on in my life. And so in our infancy stage, many of us will experience God's uh, miraculous power uh, like this, right? So like life was falling apart, and some people get jaded about this, but life was falling apart for you, and then you came to the altar and you got saved, and like the next day you got a raise or something like that. I remember this. I'll, I'll share this story. Uh, Lenny, will, uh, Lenny remembers this. When I, got, when, when I gave my life to the Lord, uh, I, I, uh, um, I needed a job, and so I went, and I was working at a temp agency, and, um, and I went, and, and I got a couple of these little, like, day jobs, right? And then, like, a week later, literally, like, a week later, they called me back, and they said, hey, uh, we have this assignment that's a, that's a temp to hire, and, uh, and, and they're looking for someone, come and, and check it out and go. And so I went, and that's the same company that I work for today, 16 years later, with multiple, uh, multiple promotions and, and, and all these different, life-changing. I, I tell them all the time, if you guys knew who I was, you guys wouldn't have hired me. But that's the, that's the power of God. This is what I'm talking about. God does big things, Right? So our childhood, we're birthed, for, birthed, then forgiven, but totally dependent. This is when we know God's forgiveness. This is our first stage. We know God's forgiveness. So many of us could come up here and, and we're worshiping, and I'm, worship is, is, is awesome, but you, when, when you're worshiping, you're just thankful that God forgave you. Like you knew where you were at. You knew what, you, how you were jacked up. And you're just thankful that God forgave you. That's a good place. Okay, that's all right. But that's stage number one. Now he moves on and he's, he's writing to the young men, right? And this is the teenagers. He says, I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. 
I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. And so for young men, these are teenagers. These are between childhood and adulthood. It's the in-between. This is like the awkward stage, right, where you're, you're trying to figure things out. You're trying to figure out who you are. Uh, I remember I went through a really, really bad uh, teenage, teenage kind of like identity crisis. Um, I, I, I laugh or I, I joke about it all the time. Um, I didn't know who I was. I wasn't comfortable with, with who I was, so I, I did all these different things. I had these different phases and fads that I went through. Um, but our teenagers, they're, they're going through that. Now, there's a couple of things that identify a teenager, and I, we, we got a couple of images here. And I need to move fast. So how many parents, how many parents know, know what's going on there? Right? Look at that. That's my boys' room right there. So with our teenagers, they got messy rooms, right? Okay. The next thing, how about teenagers? Well, I, and I'm not bagging on teenagers. I love teenagers. <laughs> Look at my boy right there sleeping. Look, he's tired. He's wiped out. I tell, I tell people all the time, like, you, you don't have a right to be tired. What are you tired from? Right? All right, come on. All right. So teenagers are always tired. How about this? That's my boy right there. PS4, deathmatch, not blinking, right? Those are, that's the console gamers, right? It's the console gamers, right? And then we have the more sophisticated PC gamers, right? Like, oh, I'm, I, I game on a PC. Like, that's some sort of sophistication or something like that. All right. Those are teenagers. I love teenagers. They're awesome. <laughs> so, so in this, in this stage of, of life, they're battling. And I, I, I want to say this. I want to say this to you. We need to pray for our youth. We need to cover our youth. It says that, I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. They've battled. They're in tension. They're in conflict. They're bombarded on every side. They're struggling to grow. You can put up, you can put up those, those images. There we go. There's Madison. There's my teenagers. 13. There's Bobby. That's my boy. So Listen. They're being pressed on every side. There's a gender identity crisis. There's homosexuality. There's all these different things, these different concepts, these, these different liberties, really, is the way that, that the world packages them. And in this stage, they're trying to figure out who they are. And they're either going to listen to the school and the teachers and their friends, or they're going to listen to us. They're going to listen to the word of God. They're going to identify, amen, they're going to identify with who God's called them to be. And so we need to pray for our youth. And so how do our youth overcome the evil one? So they do it, uh, in Revelation 12, 11 says, and they overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the lamb 
and by the word of their testimony. So by the blood, John 12, 31, and I'm going to move fast. When Jesus Christ went to the cross, he said, speaking of Satan, now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. So Jesus on his way to the cross said that now is the time that the prince of this world will be driven out. He was proclaiming victory over this through the blood that he was going to shed. And so the way that our, our children overcome, that, or our t- teenagers overcome the evil one is by the blood. We need to plead the blood of Jesus over our children. Before they go to school, as you're driving, I do this. I, I'm just telling you, my, my kids, they know. When we're driving, we're praying, right? I'm driving, I'm driving the truck. I'm like, Madison, give me your hand. Okay, we're, gonna, we're praying. And I'm pleading the blood of Jesus over her mind. I'm pleading the blood of Jesus over her school. We need to pray we need to plead the blood of Jesus over our children. They overcome them by the word of the testimony. The overcoming believers were not ashamed to confess Christ openly and publicly, saying, I believe Christ is the Son of God, and they love not their lives unto death. They were bold. They proclaimed their identity with Christ in the face of death. We need We need to strengthen our teenagers so that they walk in a faith that's bold as a lion. So our teenagers are in a battle. They're trying to grow. They're in conflict. And they're caught between a dependent child and an independent adult. So in this stage, they know God's power. At a teenage level, you could experience the power of God in your life. There's testimony after testimony. My wife has, has a beautiful testimony of her experience with God as a teenager and how that changed her life radically. There's many people in this room that could talk about the days in fresh fire and those moments where they encountered God in a very personal way and were empowered by the, by the Spirit of God to overcome the devils and the temptations in their lives. And so we need to pray for our youth. I'll say this, we need to pray for our youth leaders. We need to pray for Daisy and Anthony, sacrificing their Friday nights so that your crazy kids could be here and they could hang out with them. We need to honor them. Amen? And so childhood, we're birthed, we're forgiven, but we're totally dependent. And so we know God's forgiveness. As a teenager, we're in a battle, trying to grow in conflict, caught between a dependent child and an independent adult, and they know God's power. How many of us maybe are, are, are in one of these places right now that we're, we're, we're at the infancy of our, of, our, of our faith in Christ, and we're, we're uh, overwhelmed by knowing the knowledge of God and the forgiveness of God. Maybe there's some of us in this place that we're, we're in the place, we're in the t- those teenage years where we're going through conflict. I mean, God is just allowing struggles into our life, and he's allowing these things to happen so that he could build faith in us so that we could see that through him we could overcome the evil one. We could overcome the things that are in our lives, the things that are holding us back. And so God is allowing those things into our lives so that we could be strengthened, so that we could be fully developed. We could bring the, we could get the, I think I'm right on time. All right, Omar. Give it up for Omar. Yes. So I want to talk about adulthood quickly. So the adults are the fathers, uh, the fathers who know him, um, the fathers know him who is from 
the beginning. The fathers know him who is from the beginning. The fathers know him who is from the beginning. So that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. These, the fathers of the faith, the fathers in the house, the adults, the spiritual mature, know God's person. They know God. They've walked with God. They've experienced the power of God. They know God intimately. They know God relationally. They know God not only from from the head, but from the heart. Fathers can see things no one else can see. They can hear things no one else can hear. And can have strategy that no one else has. Fathers or adults or spiritual mature people are people of revelation. How many of us, we we need to be people of revelation. When Jesus asked the disciples, he said, who who do the people say that I am? And no one one spoke up and and, uh, uh, they they said, well, uh, um, well, I draw a blank. I forgot what they said, but anyways. Who do you say that I am, right? Yeah, they say you're this. And Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And Peter, impulsive Peter, crazy Peter, he says, you're the son of God. You're the son of God. And Jesus' response was, Simon Peter, you're you're right. And upon this, I'm going to build, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. Now, he was talking about him. He was talking about uh, about Jesus himself, talking about the cornerstone. But I believe he was also talking about men of revelation, that he was going to build his church on people of revelation. And so 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10 says this, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. Verse 10, these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. And so spiritual adults, spiritually mature people, again, are people that have developed intimately and relationally. 1 Corinthians 2, 11, 14 says this. It says, for who knows a man's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. Verse 13, this is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. And I just believe, I just believe tonight that God desires for us to grow into spiritually mature Christians, fathers and mothers of the faith. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.